This is The Bad Batch on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Star Wars. The Bad Batch, Episode 11, Devil's Deal. Do you still dream of flying? All the time. Then I can go far from here. My dream was for a free Rylot. For our people to happily live in a world at peace. We have that now. The people don't seem very happy. Their lives, much like yours, have been surrounded by war for far too long. But we are coming through it. Uncle Gobi doesn't think so. He says things are getting worse. I am well aware of what your uncle thinks. He and I want the same things, but differ in our approach. If we need to fight, I am as capable as anyone. Gobi trusts me to do my part. Why can't you? <laughs> that fiery spirit. You remind me of myself at your age. But I want more for you, Hera. Fighting, it takes a toll. My hope is that you won't ever have to live a life like mine. Welcome back, fellow troopers, to the Bad Batch podcast on TV Podcast Industries, We've turned it all the way up to episode 11, and it is The Devil's Deal on The Bad Batch. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm your other host this week, Derek. Uh, no Chris this week, just the, just the two of us. Uh, Chris is taking a little holiday, uh, taking a little break away uh, for Loki and for The Bad Batch this week. He will be back with us for our coverage of the latest MCU movie, Black Widow, which we're covering this weekend. Um, really excited to talk about that one. Yes, it was great being back in the cinema to see uh, Black Widow. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, really good. Nata Natasha Romanov. Yes. Um, doing her thing. Yes, I love, um, I love. Really good. Yeah, when we talked a little spoiler-free on the last podcast on Loki, uh, I was listening back to it afterwards. And just because she's such a master of disguise in her role as Black Widow, I love that you called her both Natalia and Natasha in one sentence, John. That is true. I good. always call her Natalia, and it's <laughs> not. It's Natasha. Yes, yes. Yes. But we will talk about that in full spoiler-filled detail on our podcast uh, about Black Widow over the weekend. This time, we're going to talk in spo spoiler-filled detail about The Bad Batch Episode 11, Devil's Deal. That is true. But before we do, just mm -hmm. a quick reminder to pop on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com where you can subscribe to the podcast on any Jedi or Sith-loving podcast catcher of your choice. Uh, we're also over on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV Podcast Industries. And we're over on Twitter as well at TV Pod Industries. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, please subscribe, support us, uh, leave a review um, if you want to. Uh, all the reviews help us uh, with the, the feedback. And of course, share the podcast because sharing the podcast is sharing the love. Yes, and there's somewhere close to 600 podcasts covering Star Wars in different, different guises and different forms. So, uh, yeah, quite difficult to stand out as a podcast that's just covering Star Wars The Bad Batch. Um, but we have been loving our listeners. We get a great listenership for this show, and we've really been enjoying talking about it. Yeah, it's been really good getting some great feedback on this animated series, The Bad Batch. 
Uh, but let us get into our spoiler-filled review. Yep, yep. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Once again, I'll call it out. The executive producers for this show are Dave Filoni and Jennifer Corbett. This episode was written by Tamara Beaker Wilkinson. Um, she wrote episode five of the series. And as we mentioned at that time, uh, she has written, written episodes for shows that we've done in the past, including Daredevil. Yes, excellent stuff. Mm-hmm. This episode was directed by Stuart Lee, who's directed, uh, by, I think, three episodes so far of The Bad Batch, um, as well. So, uh, same directors coming on board and, and, uh, rotating effectively on these episodes of The Bad Batch. But John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for episode 11 of The Bad Batch? Devil's Deal. Sure. The Empire is tightening its grip on the galaxy. Led by Vice Admiral Rampart and former Bad Batch member Crosshair, they negotiate with former Republic Senator Ornfritar to bring the planet Ryloth into the expanding Empire. Focused on power and wealth, the Senator hands over control of his planet. But Ryloth spent years fighting against the Separatist forces. They gained their independence led by freedom fighter Cham Syndulla, The Twi'lek people are reluctant to hand their planet over without his blessing. Having fought alongside the troopers in the Clone Wars, Cham endorses the deal, arguing that the clones deserve their thanks. However, elsewhere, knowing that she won't be suspected, Gobi Glee, another freedom fighter and her uncle, sends Cham's daughter Hera and her droid companion Chopper to spy on the new Imperial refinery. When she reports back, Gobi realises his resistance is not over and contacts Sid, who dispatches the Bad Batch to deliver weapons to Gobi for a modest fee. Hera travels with her uncle and strikes up a friendship with Omega when she shares her dreams of being a pilot. When they return to Ryloth with their contraband weapons in tow, their ship is shot down by Crosshair. Gobi and Hera are captured by Vice Admiral Rampart, and as they are transported back to the capital, they are charged with treason at the insistence of Senator Tar. When Cham and Elena hear of their daughter's plight, they intercept the transport and fight their way through the troopers to save her. Realising the real power on the planet belongs to the former resistance fighters, Rampart surrenders his team. But, despite being held at Blaster Point, Rampart quickly turns the table on the Syndulla clan as he signals Crosshair to assassinate Senator Tar. In the confusion, both Cham and Elena are captured as their daughter, Hera, is whisked off into hiding by her faithful droid, Chopper. Excellent stuff. On the surface of it, the plot for this episode is similar to last week's episode. Um, The... Empire coming in to uh, assert their control on another new planet. Lots of characters we haven't met before. And this week, unfortunately, as I mentioned, we don't have Chris with us to tell us um, how it's what it's like for someone who hasn't seen Rebels or Clone Wars. This week, we, you've got the two of us who've seen both of those shows. Now, let's get on to blaster point number one, because I've known John 16 years now. We've been together 16 years now. I know all your reactions to things. I know when I know what all your smiles and happy faces mean. <laughs> and when we see two characters appearing on screen, our blaster point number one, Hera and Chopper appearing here, I could tell the genuine glee on your face seeing these two characters. You've mentioned once on this podcast about your favorite droid in all of Star Wars, and that droid is it is Chopper. Um, I have to say, this was just like. A dream of of an episode. Mm-hmm. Yes, C one ten P droid, or affectionately known as Chopper uh-huh. from Rebels, also known as Chop here by by Hera, yeah. um, is just my favorite 
favorite droid ever. Uh-huh. Um, he is <laughs> argumentative. He's cantankerous. Yeah. He's mischievous. Um, but I love his personality. Um, and I think so much of that, you know, he, he just does his beep thing like R2D2, but in, in a very different way. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really know how you would describe it. It's more like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> That's exactly that kind it. of thing. <laughs> it's a guttural um, beat. It's, yeah, very guttural. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, his arms provide so much expression. He's mm-hmm. got his little pincer arms either side of yeah. his, uh, his head. And, um, yeah, his, his personality is just fantastic. Yes. Um, and was just so, so good throughout Rebels and to see, uh, it here, you know, despite of that personality, or indeed just because of his personality, he is held with a huge amount of affection mm-hmm. uh, in the crew um, of of the rebels, uh, known as the Spectres, yeah. and um, you know he's a loyal member of that rebel group in Star Wars: The Rebels. And mm-hmm. um, so I was absolutely overjoyed to see chopper um he's an old droid um and certainly uh, because in rebels they're constantly on the run from the empire uh you know he's really not had many chances of a a good oil bath um (laughs) or you know that maintenance and so you know this leads him to his his argumentative side really um he he certainly doesn't take any um you know, BS, shall we say. He, he does his own thing. He, he's in his own lane and he just does it. Yeah. He, and he's fantastic. Absolutely. I suppose I always kind of thought of him as, you know, the way you, you see R2-D2 is probably your first droid that you've ever seen in, in movies, especially for us when we were growing up. And he has that kind of chirpy attitude all the time. That's the chirps and beeps are always really chirpy. It's like, yeah. it's like your, your cute little dog that sits on your lap and does everything you tell it to do. Yeah. Well, Chopper's the exact opposite of that. He's still very loyal. He's definitely your guard dog in, in some senses, but not willing to go with everything that you say. So more like a cat, I would say, than a dog. <laughs> um, he sh- certainly shows the love for the people around him. And uh, he cares for the people around him. You can tell that, but not willing to go with every single command. At least not willing to go uh, without being a bit grumpy about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. that's it. He will He will just leave with a grumpy beep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's almost like you can envision uh, him rolling his eyes yeah. uh, as he leaves. Exactly. Um, so exactly. just really great here to have Chopper in the bad batch. Yeah, and I think I, I think that that kind of contrast between him and or 2D2 is always uh, I always found that really interesting the the idea of those two characters being so central droids in this universe effectively. But let's also talk about Hera here. Uh, Hera another central character from Rebels, um the pilot of the spaceship the Ghost and a main character of that series. Yeah, so I mean it's really good seeing her dream about being a pilot dream you know following the birds in the sky mm-hmm. you know effectively kind of being tricked into joining that supply run that we see here by our uncle with the promise of being able to fly the 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 ship mm-hmm. um but that was really good but she, you know she is a an exceptional uh, pilot mm-hmm. in rebels and um, very much can get you out of a tight situation Great on the the ship's blasters, and yep. um, she can maneuver her way out of most tight spots. You know, very Han Solo in that sense, mm-hmm. um, with the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, she is in Star Wars Rebels, um, 
aboard the Ghost um, with her crew, the Spectres, which are made up of Ezra Bridger, mm-hmm. who is the the main character though in Rebels. Yeah, Chopper, and uh, the Sabine Wren, who is a Mandalorian. There's Garazeb Aurelius. Zeb, yeah. Zeb, um, who... It's the comic relief and kind of the... Um... I can't remember what species he is, but it, it's um, it's one that has suffered significantly under uh, the Empire. Mm. Um, and... and I just called him comic relief there. Um, he is kind of... He's um, kind of a bit yeah. like Wrecker He's very in, like in Wrecker. this, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then you have the Jedi Kanan Jarrus. Mm-hmm. Also known from this series as Caleb that escaped Order 66 yep. whilst um, he was with the Bad Batch. And so this is really, really um, interesting because mm. to me this feels like this could be the series where they do meet that we will see. I mentioned will we see Caleb again? Yeah. I think having Hera here, mm-hmm. um, that potentially is much increased whether it will happen who knows yeah. but i think potentially it's increased um and i think that will be really really good um because they do have to meet at some point because ultimately they do have a relationship mm-hmm. um with each other so actually it does show how a little bit further back it is here mm-hmm. with the bad batch and how ha- you know because the rebels were set always set in the you know the adventures of um Ezra Bridger and the crew of Ghost, those adventures were always set in the early years of the Rebellion. Yes. And here, actually, it's the real nascent bit. Even um, before that. It, yeah. It's before that. Yeah. So as, as Hera is a, is a child here, mm-hmm. still under uh, and on Rylos with her parents. Yeah. So, you know, in Rebels, she's a bit more nomadic, really, be, yes. be, having been forced into that. Presumably now with this, from this event that happens in this episode. So we may may be seeing the start of that as well. And as you say, Caleb, who we saw in episode one of this show, the two of them fly together effectively. The two of them are part of that team. So, uh, so that's a good 10 years probably between now and and the start of Rebels. Um, so it's interesting seeing this kind of starting of those two characters, at least. I would, I would presume. Yeah. I think you're right that at some point over the course of the next, um, couple of seasons let's say <laughs> perhaps we may may see uh caleb meet up with uh hera yeah that would be awesome i mean the other thing here is we have hera uh striking up a friendship with amiga as we well so there, there could be um certainly that there is hera hitching with the bad batch maybe, and with yeah, amiga um, it, it it would be interesting now just to see how long this if this is the end of that particular storyline or whether it will go into next week. Yeah. Um, because, yes, it, ultimately this episode is very much focused on Rylus, on the imposition of the Imperial um, Army and Rampart there yeah. uh, with with the Bad Batch, really just as a side note very again. So. And we've had one episode like this previously a bit. Um, so I think this is interesting to see whether there's an additional arc here uh, in in the bad batch that 
revolves around um, Hera and, and Chopper. Yeah, yeah. And, and certainly this is the least we've seen of the Bad Batch in an episode. They have one scene, basically, yeah. uh, on the planet. But really nice to see someone's dreams come true. I, I love that moment with Hera and, and Omega where she tells Omega how jealous she is of her because she gets to live aboard a spaceship. That's her dream. Well, you'll be living that for quite a long time uh, in the future, Hera. So, yeah, she really uh, will. I'm glad it was her dream that was yeah. realised. And I hope that she doesn't <laughs> pick the, the gun um, the, the gun area um, uh, for her bedroom. Do you know, I did feel it slightly sorry for Amiga when she yeah, said that I as did. well, where she's going, here's my favourite area of the ship. I get to use it whenever we're not being chased by anybody <laughs> or whenever we don't need to shoot back at anybody. <laughs> it's my Then it's my bedroom, basically. So I think all of us who've had large families kind of know what it's like to be pushed in and out of your bedroom when uh, when things are going on. Oh, so yeah. I, I, I see that she's feeling that, uh, good old Amiga. But yeah, wonderful to see Hera and Chopper back. Well, I was under the stairs like Harry Potter. <laughs> Your family's not that big, John. <laughs> I, can, I can never do Harry Potter's accent. Oh, you I, did try, though. You did I did for, try. Um, for an episode of The Fakest um, this year. That is true. (laughs) I remember these things. I remember these things. Let's get on to the meat of the actual storyline after uh, dealing with the wonderful shock of having uh, Hera and Chopper back, two of uh, of our favourite characters. Uh, Let's get on to blaster point number two. And once again, it's about the impact of the Empire and what they're having on the galaxy. I really like this kind of discussion that's going on with between the former freedom fighters with uh, Cham and Gobi having their conversations um, with other people on the planet as well. But the specific conversation I really liked was what's the point of fighting if we can't accept peace? That's our blaster point number two. It's just a really interesting idea that, that if we go back in this massive war that's going on, we had the separatist army who were trying to take over planets across the galaxy. We had the Republican armies who were trying to uh, fight them, fight back against them uh, on many, many wars. And then occasionally we have um, freedom fighters like these major characters, like, um, Cham and uh, and his wife and and most of the people of Ryloth themselves seem to have set themselves up in their military positions, as we hear uh, early on in the episode, to fight back against the separatists. They won their their battle. They've got their planet yep. back, and now in walks the Empire, going, "Well, we worked alongside you when we were the Republic. How about you commit yourselves to us?" And they try and win them over by giving them a refinery, which is going to bring loads of jobs to them. And then they're kind of telling the army to stand down because they will have their clone troopers come in and provide protection for them. Yeah, I think ultimately this is where I've realized the failure of the Empire um, and the Imperial Army is that, you know, I kept thinking back to the Roman Empire and they would always conscript people into the army from the places that they had conquered. So, you know, you could, when Caesar came to Britain, for example, it wasn't just Romans that were from Rome or what we now know as the Italian peninsula, but it would have included from the uh, Iberian peninsula, Gaul, North Africa, you know, the Middle East, all these different areas. So, because this is the main sticking point, is that they're, they're effectively being asked to disarm and Mm -hmm. that their own forces can't also protect the planet i mean uh, so rather than the empire sort of in a supportive role they want to always have this dominating role and i think as well it's that you know um general cham uh hera's dad and and hera's mom uh elaney 
are, are kind of saying, you know, how can we trust these people um, who aren't telling us everything? You know, they go to, on a visit to the refinery and, and there's all military emplacements, yet they're told it's not a military facility. Yeah. And I think, you know, even more skeptical is then Cham's brother, Gobi Glee, uh, who really isn't buying um the the idea that you put down your weapons mm-hmm. you know they fought the separatists long and hard to maintain their independence their freedom i'm beginning to sound a little like mel gibson there um but ultimately you know there's subjugation going on here yeah. and uh, i think that um you know you see that there is backroom dealings between Senator Tarr and Admiral Rampart. And this is not going to end well. We just know because it's the Empire. But the interesting thing is that General Cham does want to give it a go because he recognizes as a military leader the help that the clone army gave and is willing to accept them to also be protectors. Um, And because he's experienced so much war he wants more for Hera that she doesn't grow up just knowing war or having to become a soldier um, but that she has something different and so he is willing to kind of take it at face value and and puts his reputation behind Senator Tarr ultimately um, to to the crowd um, to the the other Twi'leks and so I thought this was really good. Again, it's another element of, like we saw in last week's episode, but there's certainly something much more sinister here. And people kind of, you can see that with the Twi'leks, with General Cham, with his brother, with his wife, the whole planet is very skeptical here as well. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You get that sense that, you know, since they've given up all of their weapons as well to the Empire, you know, that Gobi would be kind of the person uh, as a former freedom fighter that'd be kind of going, well, you know, at least we can stand up again. We can rise up again. We can take our weapons and, and take them down. But they've given all of that back. So they can't just rise up again if they give up all of their um, all of their rights and everything that, that they have uh, they've worked so hard for. So that's why he goes to Sid to get uh, to get the. Uh, the new weapons to start up another revolution effectively already he knows and he's preparing for that future uh, where he may have to fight back against uh, against the the empire um interesting point that you make about the empire um coming in with their army and leaving them behind and that's what's not bringing the populace on side because we know in the future that the empire are actually going to do exactly what you said well, just like the roman empire they're going to start conscripting people to bring them on board and start turning out the stormtroopers effectively that's true. Within their armies. That so they, is true. They will learn that lesson. And this is probably, you're right, this is the kind of lesson that they're learning from going into planets and saying, we're, we're just going to leave half of our army behind uh, and you're not going to be able to have any weapons. But it's okay. We'll be able to put you into the mining facility to mine instead of uh, protecting your planet. Yeah, I mean, technically, actually, they don't really have too much conscription. It's It's just growth in a jar basically at the moment the clones yeah, yeah. exactly yeah but in the future with the no, yeah, yeah definitely it'll be, uh, definitely it'll be conscription or possibly slavery as we also find out uh in in the far yeah. future and because even in han solo he's there and you see you know the whole kind of uh, imperial navy uh booths uh trying to recruit uh new 
uh, fighter pilots mm-hmm. and, and so on. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if you want to be a fighter pilot in uh, <laughs> in the uh, Empire Imperial Army, you'll uh, be sent off as a foot soldier uh, with a with a helmet, and that's about it, really. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, I think this is a, a, another interesting um, analysis of what's going on within the Empire. Uh, but it all effectively leads to our blaster point three. Um, this return effectively from meeting up with the Bad Batch or a Bad Batch moment from the episode them handing over the the weapons to uh, Gobian and the uh, this new resistant force they return to the planet and effectively our blaster point number three is the rescue of Hera from what happens from that point onwards really. Uh, we mentioned the crosshairs on this planet here and yeah he feels like he's getting even more evil as the weeks go on. Um, it's difficult to tell because we, we don't actually see the the their uh, uniforms side by side with the Bad Batch and Crosshair, but Crosshair's uniform or his his outfit, his clone trooper outfit, looks like it's really been burnt. It looks like he's been colouring it in in charcoal. It looks really black with no other markings on it. Really, is what it looks like. Whereas the Bad Batch have all got little markings. And they all have their um, their drawings on them and 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 their own bits of flair that make them uh, make them <laughs> signify which one of them they are. Whereas Crosshair seems to be down to this dark uniform, and his voice seems even more gravelly, and he seems to be standing in the shadows more this episode. Well, it's that dark grey. Which, um, with and it's the green visor, mm-hmm. uh, which also the stormtroopers that we've seen have also worn. That's right, um, yeah. They've not really fixed on white yet for the stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. So, but you wonder if it's getting darker and darker and darker. Maybe it'll be he. He will almost become a death trooper, like right. we see in uh, Rogue One or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but certainly, yes, the rescue of Hera. Um, it's it's all. For me, you know, it's designed, it's the sinister plan, it's Admiral Rampart taking the long game to undermine the the planet's democracy or at least institutions, but ultimately it's to do with Crosshair, you know, shooting down the ship, like you say, because he has been tailing um general cham's brother gobi all the way through here he's put a tracker onto the ship they know that they're off uh off world when they shouldn't be their suspicions are high and ultimately sh- when he shoots down the ship it is rampart and senator tar that arrive on site mm-hmm. and interestingly with this it's you know it's the fact that they're arrested Hera and um, Gobi, but are they're charged with treason without any cause, and this yeah. is what ultimately you know jolts and pulls um, Cham and his wife from effectively their diplomacy, or you know trying to find this um, ex- or the acceptance, I guess, of of taking at face value what um, Gen- uh, Admiral Rampart I- I- is saying. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it goes even more sinister, even deeper, that this long game of Admiral Rampart, because, you know, that there is a moment earlier in the episode where he, he's, he and Senator Tarr are talking about, you know, we'll just play, you know, play your role, and, and we'll be able to, um, We'll be able to get Cham and his wife, uh, and to break the, the insurgents as they were under the, um, under the Trade Federation and, and the droids. You know, there's a real strong suspicion that 
you, this the leopard of Cham and his wife and, and the I think the Twi'leks in general can't change their spots. They'll always be freedom fighters. They'll yeah. always want to maintain their control, which is the whole reason um, for uh, the imperial control. And I guess whatever they are mining and refining here is critical for the imperial and galactic empire because they do say this will speed up the development of the empire considerably is Mm -hmm. that it's military or um you know it's resources it's resources so i think um this is really interesting because it means that cham and uh, eleni go on this rescue mission as um, their daughter is being transported back to the capital um, to to save her and rescue her, basically. Yeah. And this leads to kind of the second phase of Admiral Rampart's plan, where, unbeknownst to Paul Senator Tarr, mm-hmm. um, he is assassinated by Crosshair from yeah. afar so that he can place that blame on General Cham ultimately yeah. as well. You know, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the blame that he the, the the crime that he arrests Cham and his wife for are uh plotting to kill Senator Ta. He doesn't actually arrest them for murdering Senator Ta, he arrests them for attempted murder effectively even though uh he's just been executed so um that's a really interesting one i did like that moment with ta earlier on as well just to show you how nefarious the character is um where he runs out of the ship and says straight away when he sees hera this is absolute proof that cham and eleni are involved yeah. they are definitely uh, back to their old ways again you know he is absolutely just here to keep control and get his wealth built up um we didn't really mention, but uh, Senator Ta is actually a character in the live-action movies. He was um, one of the right-hand men to another senator in the uh, in the Republic, Senator Palpatine. Yeah, I thought so. I mm-hmm. thought. I mean, the only thing is, as well, you see um, the uh, a Twilight in Return of the Jedi as well, like this entourage of then Chancellor Palpatine and. Mm. Um, but it's obviously not Senator Tarr, and I was thinking it was. So I was really surprised when he got shot. Absolutely. Uh, but certainly in the prequels, you see, e- even as he calls himself Chancellor, and you know, still he hasn't revealed himself as a Sith. You mm-hmm. see uh, Senator Tarr there on the central dais uh, on Corscrunt behind him. Yeah. Even without thinking that it was the same Twi'lek in uh, in future movies, uh, I was pretty shocked at the headshot here. <laughs> like we spent a lot, well, of, yeah, we spent a lot of last episode talking about the fact that the uh, the Bad Batch, when they were on the last planet fighting to to free the senator there, that they were using um, stun weapons yes. when they were when they were in their fighting and stuff. Whereas this time we have someone getting a direct headshot. Yeah, right in front of everyone. On screen, he's definitely dead. There's no way you can explain to a five-year-old or six-year-old who's watching their Saturday morning cartoon um, what that is other than saying, well, he's he's gone now. And so uh, pretty, I thought it was uh, surprisingly brutal because we did see the, the hole in the head as well. It wasn't. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I was quite surprised at that after, after I think after all of our discussions last week. Uh, that's why I was so surprised. Yeah, and I, I guess... It ultimately ends with um, Rampart taking control again and arresting uh, Cham and Elena. But luckily, Elena is quick-witted and tells Chopper to um, take 
Hero to safety mm-hmm. in, in one of the land speeders, uh, just in the nick of time because three other uh, clone ships come in uh, to th- these reinforcements yeah. and following the headshot by Crosshair. So um, we we see her as her parents are being taken away, and mm-hmm. um, that they're they're in a hiding spot in Ryloth. Yes, we do. And do you want a tiny spoiler for next week? John, before we close out this episode, on that point, on that moment. It's just the title of next week's episode. Go on, then. Next week's episode's called Rescue on Ryloth. So we'll pick up directly from this episode. So two things we've had this week that we didn't have last week in last week's episode. Two things we had. We have all the knowledge of of watching Rebels and, and Clone Wars, which really helps in these kind of episodes. And we also know this story will definitely continue uh, next that's week as well, great so. stuff i did yeah. not know that that's quite cool isn't it i didn't know the next episode title so yeah that's great because yeah, i think it really would work mm-hmm. um and that's really that's very exciting because i'm really happy to be back with these characters mm-hmm. of hera and chopper and and also because in in rebels we do meet her parents um mm-hmm. as well um, in in one of the seasons, I can't remember because there is that tension um that built up between uh, herself and her dad. Because we do see this here; she is more aligned with her uncle Gobi. She mm. she wants to be that freedom fighter. She wants to help out her uncle. She's doing reconnaissance at the refinery. Yeah. She tells Chopper to cover for her. Uh, on the promise of flying the the ship to mm-hmm. pick up the contraband supplies of, of weapons, and ultimately she's going to be you know on her own and left. Um, so I, I I think there is kind of a healing episode in, in Rebels um, between her and her father, right? Uh, and it, it, it's coming from the fact that you know General Cham did try to accept the imperial control of their planet because of the many years of war. Uh, And he wanted the planet to experience peace and to build on the peace. Okay. That seems seems very well tied into uh, the theme of this episode and what was going on in this episode overall. So uh, let us see if if that plays out a little bit more next week. Yeah, that'd be great stuff. Anything else you want to make a note of uh, before we close out our discussion on The Bad Batch, episode 11, John? And the only other note I had, I really liked when uh, Hera was describing about um, how she flies. She had just been shown all the different controls by Amiga uh, mm-hmm. on there. And she goes, yes, you, you use the technology and the controls um, to to help you, but ultimately you're free. And you're the one that it, it's through feeling and feeling the ship and how you move it. And... Um, and Omega says this to Tech, uh, who just goes, what feelings? <laughs> like, you know, for him it is, no, it is using the Navi computer. Yeah. It is the hyperdrive. It is all this technology. Literally learn the buttons and press <laughs> yeah. them. Yes. Um, so I, I really like that as well, actually. Yeah, Tech as well, yeah, as you say, will only teach her to fly once she knows 
the spec of the Havoc Marauder without using without the manual. Using yeah. the manual. <laughs> I thought that was really good. And she can when she can recite them all by heart. That's a real tech, uh, a real tech moment. Uh, yeah, there's two great moments with with uh, Chopper in in the episode as well that I just really enjoyed. The first one where we see uh, Hera looking at the sky and enjoying the the sunshine and uh, you know mimicking while what she's it would be doing like. Intel. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, mimicking what it would be like to fly a ship in the sky and and Chopper is supposed to be watching her six, watching and making sure that nobody sneaks up on her but of course he's looking in the wrong direction and we have that uh, instant reaction from Chopper uh, kind of going oh oh no I've done something wrong here I thought that was really good um, and when he's uh, when he goes to tell um, Hera's parents about her being captured um, I just I, I just love again it's you can feel within the performance of Chopper like you always did with R2-D2 you can feel what he's trying to say even though you can't understand any words yeah. and I think that's a particular skill of Star Wars writers to be able to write characters that you can't understand a word of but understand what they're saying and the sound engineers for Absolutely. picking the right intonation or, or pitch mm-hmm. or uh, sequence of beeps or, or grunts or whatever exactly. it is and um, that really conveys something. And he also does have his little mini sort of T-Rex arms. He does. Um, which is <laughs> another thing um, that is very expressive with Absol- Chopper. Absolutely. And we should also say that Chopper was originally voiced by Dave Filoni um, in Rebels. That's a, there was a credit for that. But now Chopper is played by himself. Excellent stuff. There you go. There you go. He's getting his own credit and finally getting the uh, respect he yeah, deserves. Droid recognition, just yes. as was required in, and just as was the case, the upheaval in, in Droid land uh, in Solo. There you go. There you go. The revolution is coming. The revolution <laughs> is coming. But I think that's all for, for notes. Uh, on to what you thought. Derek, what did you think of Devil's Deal, episode 11 of The Bad Batch? I loved this episode. <laughs> I really did. I absolutely loved it. I got to the end of it going, oh, wonderful adventure with Hera and with uh, with Chopper and get to see a bit of their past, a bit of their history. And it was only at the end that I realized, oh, there's lots of people who don't know who those characters are. And um, I wonder what their enjoyment is going to be of this episode. I thought it was a really fun adventure. It's really exciting. Yeah. Um, even if you don't know the characters, you're introduced to them at the start and it's just an adventure. It does feel odd that the Bad Batch are only in the episode for a minute and a half, really. Yeah. Um, of course, arguably, Crosshair is still a, a Bad Batcher. That's where he started. So he features a bit more prominently in this episode. So, uh, arguably, it's still a Bad Batch episode, of course, uh, for that, for that reason. But I'd really be interested to hear what, uh, what someone who doesn't know those, uh, characters, what they thought of this episode. Was it exciting enough? Did they, uh, give you enough to go on? Cause, um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, re- a really well structured episode and, and really, really fun uh, and great to see some characters that I love. Yeah. How about yourself, John? What did you think of this episode? I loved it. Um, I'd give it four and a half choppers out of five. Nice. Um, I think for me, just having chopper there, I'm going to elevate uh, my my thoughts on, on this episode and, and along with Hera. But it was great getting Hera's backstory. Um, it, it's I, I guess it's very similar to what's happening in the the galaxy at the moment with the the Empire mm-hmm. consolidating and forming. Um, and, but it's great having that backstory to Hera from, from Rebels, uh, in much more, you know, in a contemporary way, I, I, I you know, of, of her when it, it's the flashback ultimately, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, in, in that, it's hard, isn't it? When you know a character in the future, it's yeah. hard to describe. So that it's kind of like we know her 
four grand. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Grand, it? Um, it, it's the flashback. <laughs> but I mean, coupled to all of that, I really like seeing Rampart here. It feels like he is the brains of this consolidation of, oh, yeah. of uh, the the Empire in mm. the galaxy. God, he's got um, that smarmy politician he, he, bit about he him does. Well, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, he's got the long game. He. Along with Admiral Tarkin, who becomes Grand Moff Tarkin, mm. whether there was some kind of political kind of um sort of chess game between these two, because they seem very, very able, um, and he certainly knows how to play um different planets off from one another, and he's certainly got this long game, but it's also, you know, he's certainly um not shy from using political assassination to achieve his goals as well. Absolutely. So and as a pretext for, for further sort of um, consolidation and dare I say it, strangulation of planets. So um, I thought this was really, really interesting in that. I love seeing Cross her. You know, he he is becoming, I guess, just really very much Rampart's um, sidekick here as well. Um, yeah. Very much willing to do his bidding. And um, I kind of like the idea that You'd, the Bad Batch flew in to do the supplies and there was that brief moment. It was a nice little touch point. Um, but ultimately, I, I really liked the action. I loved the motivations of of Hera and her dad and her mom and her uncle in this kind of fight and the varying sort of motivations and um, ultimately being sort of tossed around, really. Yeah. Um and and changing i thought it was really really good so uh, i give this four and a half choppers out of five very good very good we were gonna say that we didn't have any feedback because of the massive release of disney plus of black widow i know when we were trying to actually watch the episode at 8 a.m black widow had just been released and we had uh, two crashes of disney plus so we thought lots of people would be able to watch the episode in time to send their feedback but as always our wonderful Fellow troopers have sent us in some feedback. Uh, first up, Victor sent us an email to say, Greetings, John, Derek, and Chris, and fellow troopers. I was surprised to see pre-Rebels Hera. I can already see in her the formidable pilot she will become. If Filoni did a what-if episode, I'd like to see an adult Omega join the Rebels. It would seem there is little hope of rehabbing Crosshair. Good thing he wasn't tailing Gobi when he met with the Batch. Perhaps opponents of the Empire should regularly scan their vessels for trackers. Apparently, though, many series and films, no one adopted that practice. <laughs> what is the Empire up to on Ryloth? I have a feeling the Batch will be caught up in this. The big question is, what is Filoni up to? Enjoying the series, your podcasts, and super feedback. Cheers, Victor Von Doom. Thanks so much, Victor. Uh, totally agree with you. Um, you know, why are they not scanning for trackers? Uh -huh. uh, there should be some uh, scan built in to the ships. And um, so that they can, they can check that. It's interesting. I'm wondering if there's something we've missed about Ryloth and, and its importance to the Empire, uh, for sure. Mm. Um, maybe, you know, cause I, that, that's kind of a specific point in this episode mm -hmm. where, uh, Eleni says, you know, is this a military installation? So mm -hmm. who knows? I, um, I feel like whatever it is that they're uh, using the refinery for is a very important metal or a very important material for yeah. the Empire, and that's why it's so important to them. And also the fact that it's really easy to get in with the Senator here, and they need more planets to join the Empire after the Republic has fallen. So That uh, is true. Yeah, that so is true. I, that. Um, I, I reckon um, as well, 
a what if series in Star Wars could mm-hmm. be also very interesting. It could be, and you never know. There's so many series coming up that could be definitely a possibility. <laughs> thanks so much, Victor. Yeah, thanks, Victor. Uh, over on our Facebook group, uh, Dr. Bob Phillips says, Well, I enjoyed that an awful lot. I have three questions. What is it with this universe and child soldiers? Doesn't matter if they're green and have great head tentacles. It's still wrong. Two, do all droids speak the same language and it's just a common second tongue to folks? And three, how come the massive engines that can propel the spacecraft across interstellar distances don't give enough downdraft to shake a space scarf, (laughs) let alone need serious standing up to? Nice story to advance things a bit more and broaden our understanding of the Rebellion, I think, and maybe placing the Bad Batch on the side of good, mostly. Yeah, great stuff, uh, Bob. Thanks for that. Um, Yeah, I I guess everyone is just automatically um, sort of taught droid speak. Um, It's interesting Mm. that the droids don't speak the language of uh, the particular planet, but uh, I guess it's just a universal thing. Do you know, I remember back watching, um, I think Empire Strikes Back was my first ever Star Wars film, and I always thought that the reason why Luke could communicate with R2-D2 is because he had his headset display and it used to translate it into into the common speak of the common tongue effectively. Um, but they've really done away with that over the years where a droid will talk to a, talk to a, a human or another character and they'll instantly be able to understand the clicks and beeps and what, what they mean. I, I don't know. Maybe there's, maybe they've all got little earpieces in their ears, uh, to convert it into, into their, their no- normal tongue. What do you think? Yeah. I, maybe. I think it's, uh, got implants. I think it's just one of those unspoken sort of, rules that people can understand droid beeps exactly. um, and exactly. uh, yeah i mean certainly child soldiers feature heavily here i i even think um you know we just watched black widow the idea of child soldiers there as well mm. so i mean i i think it, it, it's one of those um i guess for a writer the idea of a you know the innocence of childhood mm-hmm. but in a situation where they're forced to defend themselves or they become embroiled into a struggle or a, a war and um, as i think you know it, it's probably quite powerful to some extent and mm-hmm. um, i think there's a lot that can be played around with people's assumptions and and actually you know push the limits of what people of their boundaries of what they think is is right it's interesting in an animation because it, it takes on a maybe it softens it some more but certainly mm. i think um you know child soldiers are are certainly a thing you know yeah. uh e- even on on this planet that's true that's true yeah like it is uh it is unfortunately a, a realistic um depiction in a war zone you know we know it from africa we know it from um from iraq and iran you know we know it from a lot of the uh, places around the earth where where we've seen wars that child soldiers are conscripted and, and involved uh, in in these situations i suppose the freedom fighters way of explaining it is that the war affects everybody on the planet regardless man woman or child so uh, so they will use any advantage that they have and in this case we see in the in this episode that Gobi is using Hera because she wouldn't be suspected because she's a child, and that that unfortunately is the excuse that a lot of freedom fighters, fighters and terrorists will use uh, to use uh, child soldiers. Um, and, and you're right; it's it's still wrong. <laughs> exactly, it is still yeah. wrong. It is still wrong, but unfortunately, a reality. As for the engines, yeah, I, I think uh, in the same way that the uh, droid speak uh, is is. Uh, accepted that everybody understands that i think in the same way uh the star wars universe um the engines themselves can uh 
aid a landing without uh, without uh, killing people that are that are close by effectively uh yeah it seems like they're they potentially aren't using the same kind of uh, engines that are used to propel them across uh, across massive distances they're using a different sort of propulsion system when they're in planet i guess they have different modes it's a yeah. bit like the cars that you can turn on sport mode and it increases right. the revs and and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff um i guess a uh, ship needs that different f- function um, yeah. A bit like with the Enterprise where you see it docking, mm-hmm. uh, it needs certain little thrusters, but then it has its big engines for going uh, interstellar. The nacelles, John. Yes. yes. Uh, oh, brought me back to Star Trek there for a second. Um, thanks so much, Bob. I'm glad you enjoyed the episode as well. And I really wanted to hear from, uh, as I said, at least some of our fellow troopers that haven't uh, seen the other animated series to see if they enjoyed this episode. Good yeah. stuff. Thanks, Bob. Also on Facebook, Maria Pereira Granata says... It was great to see a young hero and Chopper. Chopper is my son's favourite robot. Hero is a great pilot and leader of a group in Rebels. Not sure at what point she meets up with Caleb or Kanan, um, as we know him from Rebels. Thanks, Maria. I think your son and John will get on really well, uh, since it's also his favourite robot. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. My inner um, child is certainly there with Chopper. Exactly, exactly. We know from Rebels that Hero and and uh, Kanan do meet up well before they have an established relationship when it gets to Rebels. So they will meet up sometime between now and the start of Rebels, which is uh, potentially 10 or 50, or well, 10 years or so, um, I think. A couple of years at least. Uh, yeah, so who knows? So who there's a possibility knows? we'll see them meet up in the show. Yeah, thanks, Maria, uh, for the feedback. Uh, great to get everyone's thoughts and comments through uh, on this week's episode mm-hmm. of Bad Batch. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, again, it's a big thanks to our fellow troopers for joining us. Remember, quick shout out, please um, support us, subscribe to us, share the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, sharing the podcast is sharing the love. We're over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash TV podcast industries. If you want to subscribe to us there on a monthly, uh, with a monthly amount to support the podcast, you can do that also. Or if you want to support us with a one-off contribution, we're over on buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI where you can do that as well. But however you support us, it is always very, very much uh, appreciated by us here on TV Podcast Industries and on all the podcasts that we do uh, without the support in whatever form it comes we would not be able to function, I, I, I guess. And that goes with the feedback uh, from the community as well. So please send in uh, your feedback on the episodes of The Bad Batch. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I just want to say a huge thank you to those of you who have been uh, buying me a coffee over on buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI, uh, including Derek and Victor, who both bought me a coffee this week. Um this week's editing of three full episodes of the podcast is being brought to you by Derek and Victor. Uh, thanks to their support. <laughs> and thanks to everybody else who's been supporting us over on Patreon and in all of the other ways that you've been supporting us. Yeah, excellent stuff. Thank you so much, Victor and Derek, uh, for that. But we will be back uh, next week with our discussion about Star Wars The Bad Batch. Episode 12, Rescue on Ryloth, which as on Disney Plus from Friday the 16th of July. Mm -hmm. We will also be um, releasing our final discussion podcast of uh, Loki, episode six. That will be next week. And, of course, as Derek said, up front uh, on on the podcast, we will be discussing the recently cinematic release of... Marvel Studios Black Widow. Long-awaited um, Black yes. Widow, I'd say. Uh, seven years since it should have been released. Um, 
and a year and a half since it was uh, ready for release, yes. I, would, I would say. I think so, indeed. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you again next time. Yeah, thank you so much, fellow troopers, for joining us. It is, as always, a great pleasure. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep trooping. Bye. Bye. What did you find out? Guilty of treason.